mind, I would like to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Uh, This is Paul, of course, writing to the Philippian believers, probably from a place of, well, definitely from a place of imprisonment, probably in Rome. Uh, And uh, he is uh, encouraging their hearts. Let's read the message version of, uh, of verses 12 to 13, which says this, it says, Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you, God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Or the New Living Translation says, work hard, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Or the New Century Version says, God is working in you to help you to want to, uh, to do and to be able to do what pleases him. God is working in you to help you to want to do and to be able to do what pleases him. Um, I think I read this week that we are coming up to this week, we're coming up to a two-year anniversary of, of locking down of this last couple of years of pandemic. And uh, I think it was two years ago, uh, pretty much this week, that it all kicked off. <laughs> Remember, we were here in church and we were announcing a roof fund and we were, <laughs> we were reading the signs and then from one week to the next, that was it. Everything was shut down and, um, and we've been through the two years that we've been through and all of the other things that have been referenced this morning. And, and there is a sense, if you like, of, of, uh, of weariness, of tiredness of, uh, after coming out of this whole uh, period of time. I was saying to someone the other day, uh, or the other month actually, but yeah, I, I was saying to Jenny, have you, have you, um, have you seen it? Because I've lost it. <laughs> she said, what have you lost? I said, my mojo. I have lost it. <laughs> and I think many of us felt like that. that we've just yeah, lost that sense of energy and, and strength and power and, and drive feel tired and weary. And I think as we talked to some of our small group leaders, I think there was a sense of, of tiredness and weariness of, of the season that we've been in. And this passage and what we've been singing about this morning, about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that works in us, 
in this passage that Paul is talking about, that God, it is God who works in us to give us even the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You can only work out what God works in. And that's what Paul is saying. Work out your salvation that God works in. You can only work it out if God works it in. You can only live out that life of faith that God puts inside of you. And we're going to look at that together this morning. And there's two things that Paul talks about in this passage. He talks about our desire and he talks about our deeds. He talks about the want to and he talks about the able to, the can do, the the power to do. And I want to look at both those things this morning, the, the desire that God works in us and the deeds that God works through us. The starting point of salvation, the desire or the will, God works in us to will and to act according to his purpose. God is working in you to help you to want to do and to be able to do what pleases him, the desire. And this starts even with our salvation. For those of us who are Christians, who have given our lives to Christ, who have expressed our faith in Jesus Christ, we call ourselves Christ followers, Christians. The starting point of that salvation is a gift from God. It is something that God works in us, even the desire to follow Jesus. Paul says, as he wrote to the Ephesians, he said, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. You didn't create this faith. You didn't produce this grace. This is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God. Not by works, not something you've worked up, this kind of effort to be a good person, to be a Christian, a person of faith. It is not by works, but it is a gift of God so that no one can boast. So what we have, as we are, if we are Christians this morning, if we are Christ followers, that itself is a gift from God. God worked that in you. God gave you the faith to follow him. God gave you the grace to believe in him, to turn from whatever life you, you were living, your own way, your, 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 your human decision-making God did something in you and in me to, to turn us around and to put us on a different pathway and he gifted us the faith that we needed to do that because it's not something that we could ever produce ourselves. It's not that we pulled ourselves up by our bootlaces or that we tried harder to be good people or that we are somehow better people than others around us but it is that God infused, God, God gave us, <laughs> injected us with a moment of faith that was saving faith, that was grace. It was a free gift. I never earned it. I couldn't earn it. I would never be good enough. But Jesus gave it to me and gave it to you as a gift from God. He worked that inside of you, that even the desire to follow you. God gifts faith. And that should encourage us as well for those of our family and friends who don't yet know Jesus, who seem very far from him, who could not be less interested in him, who have said, I don't want to know him. I don't want to know your God and your faith. It's not for me. But, but it is God that can arrest. It is God that can change a heart. It is God that can infuse faith and grace. It is God that can take a stubborn Saul on the road to Damascus, knock him off his horse, blind him with light, change his heart in a moment. 
It's that resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead that we've been singing about this morning that can come into somebody's life and bring them to life. We have, um, we have purchased this last week our church defibrillator. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, amongst you, amongst us, we raised all the funds that we needed. Thank you so much to everyone that gave uh, to buy a defibrillator so that if anybody, please don't, if anybody <laughs> has a heart attack, um, but you can uh, use these. Is it a paddle or what? I don't know how it works. <laughs> Better read the instructions. <coughs> it won't be me that's doing it, I'm telling you. <laughs> Somebody, please, quick. <laughs> take, take that paddle. <laughs> and, um, and where there's death, <laughs> where there's a lack of life, shock that person <laughs> into life. I think when the Spirit of God comes into somebody's life, <laughs> they are dead. They are, we, the Bible makes it quite clear we are spiritually dead. You can't bring yourself to life. You can't bring your friends to life, your daughter, your son. It is the Spirit of God that comes and bang! <laughs> brings someone to life and um, infuses them with faith. It's a gift of God and it's amazing. <laughs> It is amazing. It's transformative. It's life-changing. It, it, it transforms us and changes us. It puts on a different route. Saving faith is a gift from God. And it's not something that we can earn. And it's not something that we can produce ourselves. The Holy Spirit works in the heart of a man or a woman to bring a sense of conviction of what they have done wrong, of what it means to be made right with God even a sense of judgment. It's not so much that you choose God, but that God chooses you. It's not so much that you love God, it's that God loves you. It's not so much that you pursue God, God pursues you. Grace and favour, the faith to believe, gifted to you, not earned, not contrived, not brought about by your religious contortions or efforts or strainings to be a better person or to come to God. When someone, when anyone comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus, you can be sure that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit has been active in that person's life, bringing and gifting saving faith. And it's always a beautiful thing to see. And it's why we are here, <laughs> it's why we exist, is to introduce people to Jesus, to tell them about him and to bring them to faith, to make disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And when someone or anyone comes to that knowledge, it is a work of God, a gift of God, a grace of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. God working in. That's how it starts. That's how it started with me. That's how it started with you. That's how it will start with many other people. And as Christ followers, this work of God that starts at that moment of faith continues by the Spirit of God, affecting our desires and our passions. God is working in us. And the Greek word there is energeo, energy. Energeo. God is working in us to give us the desire, even the desire to do what pleases him. And around our desires, there's, 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 the work of God here has been described in different ways. 
First of all, uh, as, as Bill Hybels used to say, he used the phrase, holy discontent, <laughs> where he talked about a desire in us where we see something and we think, why does nobody do something about that? There's a desire in us. We, some of us have been deeply moved by this by the refugee crisis and by the Ukrainian conflict. I've had people emailing me, can we do something? We want to open up our homes. We want to let people in. We want people to stay with us. There's a discontent. There's a somebody's got to do something. And, uh, and as we look around us and, uh, and, and in the life flow of the church, depending on what God puts inside of you, those desires, sometimes it comes out in a form of discontent, a, a sense of impatience. Why the heck does nobody do something about this? And maybe it's because God's putting that desire in you. Maybe the Holy Spirit is tapping you on the shoulder. And, and of course, people have come all down the line, and, and you hear again, but why doesn't the church do something about this? It's because you are the church. <laughs> You're it. You're the church. Every one of you is the church. And there will be things and passions put on your hearts by the Spirit of God, because God is working in you to will and to act according to his purpose. God's putting the desire in your heart, and sometimes it will flow through the channel of frustration. <laughs> and some of you are so good at certain things. Some of you are so gifted at hospitality, and God puts that, has put that desire inside of your heart to be hospitable, to open up your home, to create a safe space, to create a place of, of hospitality. For some of you, God has, God has put inside of you a love of order and administration. And you think, why is this so badly organized? <laughs> just, if somebody would just make a list. <laughs> Organize this. And, and the desire, we're not all wired that way, but some of us are. And, and the desire to share our faith, the desire to, uh, to please God, the desire to serve the body of Christ, the desire to give money or finances or talents, or, or the desire to be used by God in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these are all things that are worked inside of us by the Spirit of God. Because God works in us to even give us the want to. Without God, we don't even have the want to. And so sometimes we contort ourselves because we think, I don't want to. I've lost it. I've lost my mojo. <laughs> I'm weary. I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I don't even want to. I don't even have the desire but it is, it is God. God will come with his Holy Spirit defibrillator and shock your heart to life. Give you the desire again. And, and this is what the Bible is really clear about this across the board with all of these gifts and all of these outworkings of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul said as he wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, he said there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service. We're all different. We all serve in different ways. But we serve the same Lord. And God works in different ways. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's the same God. It's God the Spirit. 
And of course, these are not the only desires that we have. We have other desires, of course, we do. We have darker desires and wrong desires. And and Paul said to, to the Romans, he said, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This is where working out what God works in becomes important. It is the Spirit that works in us. It is the Spirit that gives us gifts. It is the Spirit that gives us the want to. And so we can pray the scripture. We can pray this scripture. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Whatever your name is, just pray this over me, Jeff. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Be reverent and sensitive before me. That energy, the energeo, that energy is my energy, God says. An energy deep within you. I, myself, am willing and working at what will give me the most pleasure. I am working in you to help you to want to do and to be able to do what pleases me. How about that? Like a nuclear core inside of you. A deep source of energy and power that works within you to give you the desire and the will and the energy and the power. It's not something you create it's not something that you're going to produce in yourself. It's not something that you're trying to generate yourself. It is God's energy. God is the source of that energy. And God puts it inside of you. His energale. It's God's power, and we've been singing about it this morning. It's God's will, and it's God's desire burning deep within you. Let's read a couple of passages from Ephesians three sixteen and 17. This is what Paul says to those believers. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Can you see the correlation here? I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, this energy, this power of God through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Or how about Ephesians 1 verses 19 to 20, his incomparably great power for all of us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. We've just been singing about that power. We've just been singing about that resurrection power, the breath of God that came into Christ's body in the tomb, that breath that changed everything. Paul says that same power is going to be at work in you, in you, in you, from God. And Paul prays for them and and asks, and he, he calls it the incomparably great power for all of us who believe, for all of us who believe. And that is like the working of the mighty strength which he exerted in Christ. Or how about this old passage that we quote many times but is so true to this and that reflects again on some of the words that we've been hearing this morning. He gives strength, Isaiah says. He gives strength to the weary. He increases 
the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I've done quite a bit of running and growing weary. <laughs> I, I, but the Bible promises us that we will, we will soar and we will run and we, we will not grow weary. And, and that's the energy of God. It's the power of God that does that in us. And so we might pray, Father, help me to be full of energy, energetic and upbeat in my life of salvation. Like a nuclear core, I pray that your energy and your power and your strength will be at work deeply within me, even helping me to want to do what pleases you and that desires, that holy discontent, that passion will burn at my core, placed there by your Holy Spirit. It's not my energy, it's God's energy and God works it in us. And that's what Isaiah says and that's what Paul's praying for for the Ephesians and that's what Paul is praying for for the Philippians. He says, you've got to work it out But you can't work it out until God works it in. You can't produce what isn't there. And that energy, it never will come from us. It will come from God, from the Spirit of God. It's not my energy, God. It's your energy. Listen to these words. This is the message version of what Jesus says to you. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Are you tired? You worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me. Get with me and I will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And what you need and what I need, particularly if we can't find it, our our mojo, we need the energeo of God particularly after these last two years, we need the energeo of God. We need the revival of God. We need the defibrillator of God. We need our hearts to be pumped alive again with the Spirit of God. And I believe, I really believe that God wants to do that in many of our hearts and lives, to implant, to impart a fresh sense of desire even, of want to. We'll start there, shall we? Not gritted teeth, not more effort, not try harder, but open hands, an open mouth, an open heaven, an open heart, the power of the Spirit of God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has already done this in us. I believe that there are deep reservoirs waiting to be tapped. Sluice gates waiting to be opened. Deep wells inside of us. We were worshipping the other week and I, I heard the refrain of that old song in my mind, peace like a river, love like a fountain. And I, I could see in my mind's eye, I could see kind of um, 
yeah, a, a, a flowing river, but also just water coming up from everywhere, like love like a fountain, just like these geezers. <laughs> I'm not talking old geezers, I'm talking <laughs> geezers of water <laughs> flowing up from within. And isn't this the description of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Out of your bellies <laughs> will flow rivers of living water. <laughs> It's not contrived, it's not contorted, it is almost like a gushing forth. And I think there are these reservoirs, I think they're underneath this church actually, <laughs> just waiting to flow forth. It's the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it'll come out of us like rivers, peace like a river, love like a, like a fountain. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water, the Spirit of God at work in you. So that's the desire bit. That's the desire piece here in, in Philippians. Um, and that's what Paul says. God's going to work in you to will and to act according to his purpose. He's going to give you the desire and he's going to give you the ability to do what pleases him. So let's move to the second piece, which is the deeds, the actual doing of these things. God is working in you, Paul says, to help you to want to do and to be able to do what pleases him. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God's energy deep inside of us. Peter writes something very similar in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 where he says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That's his divine power gives us what we need to live according to his purposes. Paul writes to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. He says, we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. And whether that's the holy discontent, or whether that's a just feel God has put on my heart to do this, that your faith has prompted you to do something, but Paul says, I pray that the, the Spirit of God will give you the power that you need to take that thought, that dream, that vision, and to earth it, and to put it into practice, and to make it happen. Because this, you know, if you're like me, and you've grown up in church, you've heard Many, 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 many visions. <laughs> many, many, many ideas. But I love the ones that get earthed and lived out and practiced and done. Something glorifying to God about that. And that's what Paul prays. I pray that he will give you the power to accomplish all the good things. So for those of you who have written to me and said, I, I feel God really stirring my heart to house a refugee. Well, may God give you the power... <laughs> to accomplish that desire, that your faith has prompted in you to do that. And uh, may we see in these coming weeks and months, Ukrainian refugees amongst us, worshipping God and housed safely and looked after by God's people. May he give you the power to do something that your faith has prompted you to do, to deliver on that and to carry it through, to be a completer finisher for God. It's really glorifying to him. And this is what we read about in Corinthians. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers. The Greek word is energeo, them, all, in everyone. 
Did you hear that? There are varieties of activities. But it's the same God who empowers Enogeo, them in all, in everyone. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So God gives us different things. I'm going to go and I'm going to put in your heart, I'm going to put something that will benefit the whole body of Christ. It's only going to be in, in your heart. And, but, but that's come from the Spirit of God and it's the energeo of God and it's, and it's for the blessing, it's for the common good. It's not just for you. It's for the common good. And all these, Paul goes on to say to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 6 and 11, all these are empowered, energeo, by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's not you, it's the Spirit of God that desires uh, the things of God, the things of the Father, puts the desire in you and the ability to do those things, and he does it as he wills. As the Spirit of God moves on a congregation of people, as a body of Christ, all with different giftings, different personalities, different ethnicities, different agings, different skill sets, but those gifted moments of God that are for the common good are given by the Spirit of God and determined by the Spirit of God. And some of you have a desire and an ability to help the marginalized and to show mercy and kindness and to show hospitality. And Paul's lists of giftings of the Spirit of God, which are in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, they point to the fact that it is God and it is Spirit that works in us, that places the desires and the abilities to do certain things, whether it's administration or teaching or gifts of mercy or prophecy or healings or giving or serving or whatever it is, it's for the common good and it's the desires and it's the deeds that are worked in us by the Spirit of God. And it's different for every one of us as the Spirit desires and as God chooses. So it is wrong to want to be someone else. You don't want to do that. Or to have someone else's gifts. You have no need to feel inferior. You have no need to be jealous. You have no need to put yourself down or to put someone else on a pedestal. Because your loving Heavenly Father has chosen you before the creation of the world, before it came into existence, to be exactly you. <laughs> and it's also wrong to try to change others and to make them into something that they are not. Or something or someone you want them to be. Because this gift projection works both ways. Either wanting somebody else's gift or trying to project your gift onto somebody else that doesn't have it. Neither of those things ends up well. Because God is a great lover and respecter of raw material. I, yeah, I've mentioned before, I love the story of Eugene Peterson and his father, the butcher, who worked with, he said, he was a master butcher. He said some of his butchers that worked with my father, Eugene Peterson, said they were hackers. They never respected the raw material. But my father, he said, he respected the raw material, the sinew and the muscle. And, and Peterson goes on to say whether it is a, a pork chop or a mahogany plank or a human soul. God is a great respecter of the raw materials and we must be also to recognize what God has placed in each one of us and not to go against the grain of what God has placed inside 
each one of us. God is a great lover and respecter of raw materials. And as von Hugo said, von Hugo said, there are no dittos among souls. We are unique. We are made in the image of God. And God wants you to be fully you and only you and more of you as he made you to be by the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. And the version of you that you become as you are more filled with the Spirit of God will be more and more beautiful as you live out the giftings that God has placed inside of you. It is a beautiful thing to behold. I have two children who are very different to each other. Apart from one being a boy and one being a girl, they have different temperaments, they have different abilities, they have different strengths and they have different weaknesses. They are at their best when they are fully themselves. It is a travesty when we try to be someone that we are not. And it is a travesty when we try to make other people someone that they are not. So let's not do it. Because God's energy and power is deeply at work in you and it is helping you to want to do what pleases him. And it is helping you to empower you to be able to do what pleases him. This is always the starting point. This is always the base. We can only work out what God works in. Everything is a gift. But we have to work it out. So Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take it seriously what God has put inside of you and work it out. Live it out. Whatever season of life you're in, work it out and live it out for this season. This is beautifully and succinctly summarized in Paul's statement to the Colossians. To this end I labor, Paul says. Struggling. The Greek is agonizing. Agonize or To this end I labor, Paul says. Struggling, agonizing. With all of his energy. God puts the energy in and I agonize. I work it out. I struggle. I labor. I work hard to work out what God has worked in. So I agonize with the energeo that God has put so powerfully worked into me, Paul says. See that lovely combination there, flowing in from God, flowing out from me as I work it out. I, and it doesn't mean we don't work hard. It doesn't mean we don't struggle. It doesn't mean we don't get tired because we agonize. We, we work out what God's energy and power works in, his dynam, dynamism. You have to work out what God works in. You have to live worthy of the gospel and of the calling. You have been justified. You've been freely forgiven. You've been given great gifts. And now what are you going to do with what God has given you and placed inside of you? If you've been given an evangelistic gifting, you have a great responsibility to use that gift wisely and extensively and to grow in, in its use and in its, in, in, as you reach out to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If God has given you a gift of teaching, it's your responsibility to develop that gift. If God has given you a gift of giving, which he has to some people, an extraordinary gift of giving and ability to earn money and to distribute it, then you better use that faithfully and work it out with fear and with trembling as you honor God with that gift. If it's administration, then use it to the glory of God. Be absolutely the best in your game, in your field. Paul gives some practical pointers as, as he finishes out this section on what that means, what it means to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Verses 14 to 17. Do everything without complaining or arguing. 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Here are some just practical pointers that Paul says as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, do, do it without complaining or arguing or grumbling. As I kind of joked the other week when I read that, I said, how is that working out for you? How is that working out for us? Because Paul says, look, don't argue, don't complain. Um, without grumbling or disputing, the ESV says, inward and outward. He says here, becoming blameless and pure, which of course reflects on Paul's prayer that we looked at earlier in Philippians 1, verse 9 to 11. He uses the same terminology. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Shining like stars, he says, character and actions in the universe. Holding out the word of life. Holding out the word of life. If you've ever run a marathon or a half marathon and you're running along and you have people stood along the side of the road and they're holding out their bottles of water for you or people would hold out jelly beans or bits of food and you're, as you're running past and there's loads of people just hold, holding it out. You don't have to take it, but they hold it out for you. So there, if you want it, have some water. If you want it, have a jelly bean. I never did grab the jelly beans because I just was thinking of all those hands going in that bowl <laughs> as they were running along, all those sweaty marathon hands. I'm like... I'm not having a jelly bean from that bowl or from that hand. I did take some water. Um, But the Bible says, hold out the word of truth. Hold out the word of truth. That's what we do when we we run Alpha courses. That's what we do when we have outreaches. It's what we're doing on a a Saturday morning here with our coffee mornings and our Tuesday nights with the dropping and the Love Thy Neighbour food centre and the connecting to the church. It's, It's we're going to be feeding people physically, but we're going to be also holding out the word of truth and saying, here it is. This is the gospel. This is the truth. And, and not everybody takes it, but we still have to hold it out. And some will, and some will take it, and some will be saved. Many will be saved. So Paul says, don't argue, don't grumble. Um, shine like stars in the universe. It's such a lovely picture. I sometimes walk out in the evening, was walking the dog and um, would look up in, in the darkness and see the stars shining. And, and Paul uses this image and he says, I want you to shine like stars in the universe. Shine bright <laughs> and, uh, for, for, for Jesus. So do everything without complaining and arguing. Become blameless and pure. Continue on that pathway that Paul is praying for as the love and the knowledge of God grows in our hearts and lives grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and hold out the word of life with your speech and your, and your words and your truth and your, and your life. What are the things and the opportunities, as, as I wrap this up, what are the things and the opportunities and the gifts and the desires that God has placed inside of you? And how are you going to work them out? I remember sitting in the Bible college several years ago just visiting a lecture and I was a youth pastor at the time. David was a senior pastor. I was the youth pastor and the associate pastor. I was listening to Gordon Neal who was a 
a regional leader at the time, and, he, and I remember him saying, because I, you know, I was working in various areas within the church, and some of them were going well, some of them perhaps I was struggling with, and I just remember the phrase that came out of this man's mouth as I sat in that seminar. He said, maybe you're a youth pastor. And I, I was, so my ears pricked up. He said, maybe you're a youth pastor. He said, be the best youth pastor you can be for this season. I thought, yeah, that, that, that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll be the best one I can be. <laughs> and, and whatever it is that God has placed inside of you, if you're a youth leader, be the best youth leader you can be. If, if you're a community group leader, be the best community group leader in this church. I mean, let's have a healthy sense of competition and just beat those other community leaders. <laughs> be the best. <laughs> no, don't be, no, don't be comparative. <laughs> it completely undermines what I've said this morning. <laughs> Scratch that last one. Be the best that you can be, that God's created you to be with your gifting and personality. If, if you do that, for, forget the ones down the road. They're, no good anyway. If you're a worship leader, yeah. Come on, Andy, raise your game. Yeah. <laughs> are we blessed or are we blessed with a wonderful worship team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Andy and the musicians, they carry a responsibility. They've been given a gift that they use beautifully to serve us. But um, just, I was talking to Andy the other day. He said, I've been, you know, I've been, I'm a veteran. I've been doing this for a long time. But that doesn't mean Andy can't get better. <laughs> no, I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> no, because, because that is a very, very precious gift that God has given to, to the worship leaders, to the musicians. So hone your skills, sharpen your axe. Um, I'm saying it across the board. It's my responsibility. If I'm a Bible teacher, I've got to become a better Bible teacher. Don't say amen. <laughs> what, whatever, whatever we are doing, whatever we are called to do, if, if we're a mother, a young mother with young children, and the kids are at home and... You know, be the best mum you can be for that season. And if you are a steward, if, you, if you're making the coffee, just do a good job because it's important. <laughs> if you're a teacher, you, you know, you've got those kids for a season, just be the best teacher that you can be. Because God's given you that gift and to stand in front of a, a classroom of kids and to instill knowledge in them is, is, a, is a gift. <laughs> And it's a precious gift. And, and use it to the glory of God and commit it to the glory of God. And if you're a nurse, then be a loving presence of Jesus on that ward. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Because God works in us to will and to act according to his purpose. And Paul finishes off here, and this is why I'm going to tie us into the communion. And he, he says here in verse 17 and 18, he says, um, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, that, he uses this image here that we're not particularly familiar with 
But he says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is an image of of an instruction given to the Christian, to the followers of God in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy and in Numbers, where they had to bring a drink offering. They would take a gallon of wine and they would pour it out on the altar as an offering to God of fermented drink. And Paul uses this image and he says, I'm being poured out for God. And my life is an offering and I'm being poured out and, uh, and, I, and because of you, because of your faith, and I'm glad. And Paul says, let's do this together. Let's do this together. Yeah. The confidence, Paul has a confidence as he writes to these believers that God is working in them and God is working through them. And it's, it's a commitment that Paul's making and challenging them to make that they will work it out with fear and trembling and with great respect and honour and awe. And so Paul says, to this end, I labour struggling, agonizing with all of God's energy, which so powerfully works in me. And I think as I read that line of Paul being poured out of a drink offering, I think of Jesus' words as he comes to the table and he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you (laughs) for the forgiveness of your sins. There's a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 4, which in all of our struggles, in all of our efforts, in all of our weariness, our struggle against sin, our struggle through life and the ups and downs, the writer to the Hebrews says, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But Jesus did. <laughs> Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm going to pour out. You know, Paul, Paul's using this imagery. He said, I'm living out my life, and it feels like a drink offering, and I'm, it's being poured out. But of course, that takes us so far with our efforts and our working out of our salvation and our, with fear and with trembling, there is an effort involved. There is an agonizing involved at times. There is a, a suffering with Christ involved. But there are limits to that. And what the writer to the Hebrews says uh, is that you've not yet resisted in your weariness. In your weariness, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood because there is one who has. His name is Jesus. And Jesus said, this is my blood which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So, two things. First of all, in a moment, we're going to break bread together. And I don't know why I keep pointing at that table, because you've all got these little... <laughs> we're getting rid of these very soon, I promise you. Especially these ones that don't open properly. <laughs> so I'm going to... <laughs> in a moment, we're going to break bread together. And... Um, we're going to remember the one that poured out his life for us. And in all of our efforts, our struggle against sin and all of that, we, we haven't yet reached that point that Christ reached for us. And so we're going to come and we're going to remember Christ and we're going to receive his grace and his favor and his salvation because we all need the gospel and we all need salvation and we all need forgiveness.
So we're going to do that in a, in a few moments. And also tonight, we have um, our encounter evening. And um, we're going to be providing a time both to break bread together again, um, but to minister. And we're going to be providing a space and a time to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to pray with people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking of those, I'm going to pray for you this morning as well, of course I am, but of those who are tired and weary of the words that were brought at the beginning of our service and that need for the infilling of the Spirit, that need for those geezers to rise again, that need for the rivers to flow again. It's not going to be you trying harder. It's going to be God working in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So let's take a few moments now where we come to the Lord's table together. I'm going to give you a few moments of silence just to say like we all need to say this morning, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify me. Remove my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. I confess my sin before you and I receive now your forgiveness and your death on the cross. So you do that for a few moments and then I'll lead us as we Break bread together.